Well, I want to start with a couple of stories. Yay. Yeah. Uh, well, so one starts this afternoon. Uh, Sam and I were playing tennis, and the, the gamble was that if I win, I get free Taco Bell, and then if he wins, I'll eat cottage cheese. And I'm not much of a texture guy. I'm actually like an anti-texture guy. Ever since my neighbor gave me tomatoes and mushrooms out of her garden, thinking like she was being generous, but she like made me eat them in her presence, which were like raw, like very fresh. Yeah, so I didn't think as much when I was 12. And because of that, I don't have a great um, tolerance for soft and like gooey textures, especially clumpy ones. So cottage cheese is all of the above, and I got to uh, not only get beat by Sam, but honor my word. And <laughs> I ended up eating two spoonfuls of cottage cheese. And the first one, they didn't really believe me that I wasn't much of a texture guy. So I, you literally like gag on the texture if you're like offended by such pleasantries. And so it's just like a horrible experience, right? But uh, what we'll get at in it was that it was important for me to be a man of my word, and I was going to do that. But uh, before that, the reason I needed to be a man of my word was because I have a, a motto, and I want to share that motto with you tonight. Uh, the motto that I live by is over-promise and under-deliver. <laughs> so if you, if, you, <laughs> if you tell everyone... Everything that you want to do for them, they might not notice that you never actually do it in turn, right? So on a weekly sales call, I'll get on and I'll be like, yeah, my goal this month is about uh, 20000 in monthly revenue. And then I'll be like, cool, and how much you hit this month? Oh, like two grand. And then I'll be like, okay, cool. And you think you'll be able to hit it next month? Yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> but um, what that exposes is one of my weaknesses. And so um, I think the way I wanted to frame the beginning of this conversation on repairing relationships is by unfolding the uh, pattern in any relationship, which is uh, two people. So there's the person that is either being offended, right, and there's the person that is offending. And I think why it's important, um, obviously, like, I think it's, it's um, like contextualized, right? And so uh, I want to share like how uh, doing relationships uh, and monitoring them and repairing them well is uh, one, how it affects our relationship with God. Uh, two, how it reflects and determines like our relationship with each other. And then three, how it um, affects the way that we relate to people that aren't necessarily, like, Christian. Okay, so to start, I want to go um, to Matthew 18. And I want to read a little story. Okay, it's the parable of the unforgiving servant. When he began the reckoning, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold and his wife and his children 
and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, immediately imploring him, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But that same servant, as he went out, came up to one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and besought him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then the Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you besought me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord delivered him to the jailers till he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Okay, so I think in that passage we see um, those three parties being reflected, right? So the first is our relationship to our debtor, to um, the Father. The second is our relationship to each other, and that is the fellow slave. And the third is our relationship to the world, and that is our fellow servants. Okay, so there's God, who is the one to whom we owe the greatest debt. There's each other, you know, you owe me, I owe you. And then there's the servants, the people who witness all that, right? And so um, I just want to start by explaining. So uh, I guess it's been a year and a half now um, where uh, I'll take the opportunity to pray with people to hear the Father's voice, to know the Father's voice, to understand um, the narrative that God has written us into and then to take us out of the narrative that we can perceive, right? Because too often our realities don't match up and we start living out of a reality that's not our own uh, to like make it a little more practical. We start like playing a game that's not the one we're trying to play. And um, I tried to take time in my life to uh, pray with people in order to like have people hear the right story and, and play the right game. And so, um, a lot of times, well, I would say, yeah, the majority of the time, the first thing that needed to happen if they weren't, know, if they didn't know the Father's voice, they couldn't know the Father, or if um, they weren't playing the right game, was that they either hadn't forgiven someone in their life or they hadn't repented in their life. And so this is where I think it gets kind of um, deep, but it's like, uh, hard to like say these things from the front, right? Because when I say we need to forgive the people in our lives who have hurt us, um, I am speaking from uh, a general point of view what like cuts to the heart internally. And so with like our small groups, with our households, with our like close confidants, we can start to like um, process through this information. Um, and what I want to uh, provide a little bit of like warning for, or like a disclaimer, um, like I don't understand whatever's going on if uh, someone here 
has been like hurt by someone significantly, for the people, I think we all have been hurt by people significantly. And then also um, when we've hurt people significantly. So there's that feeling, right, of like, I can never be forgiven for that. And there's that feeling of like, I could never forgive that person for that. Um, and I want to um, legitimize that feeling, but then I don't want us to dwell there. Okay, so as we're thinking, I, I want to legitimize it and say it's okay that we're experiencing that, but it's not okay that we stay there. Right? And that's really hard to say generally from the front because obviously there's no understanding of the experience. And so we should go forth from here, especially in our relationship with God, um, breaking that down. Because as we see each other, right, we, as we see each other, we see God. And so then I want to bring that to our relationship with each other, right, because I think it's actually in our relationship with each other um, that um, most readily changes the way we see God. Um, and so I want to share a little story. I'm in a household right now with four other guys, and I want to share a conviction that we have for the year. Uh, so we're all decently formed men, and we all trust each other a ton. I know that they're at war with me, and they know that I have their back in any situation that they get themselves into. One guy uh, is such a war horse. I remember uh, he was at Seton Hall when I was at Seton Hall, and he was the first guy that I like um, remember thinking to myself, if I got into a fight at a bar he would be the first to throw punches without asking any questions. And so that was not like a good thing necessarily, but I think it reflects a good characteristic is like he's fiercely loyal. He like has your back in every situation. And when you've like developed that kind of trust with him, he's just going to like deliver on everything. And that's like was my experience um, with some of the dudes that I got to know on campus is like uh, if I started throwing a punch, they were going to start swinging at the other guy, whether they knew what was going on or not. And uh, I think that's a disordered reflection of like a good characteristic. And so um, he's like that kind of fiercely loyal. And I think we all kind of reflect to different extents that, uh, that part of our worldview. So we see our role as building the kingdom in Columbus, and we trust each other extremely in that, right? Now, here's what's tough, right? is that we all have weaknesses. <laughs> Can anybody relate to that, right? Okay, so I want to share with you first uh, a couple of my uh, greatest weaknesses. Um, I live on the second floor, and Chris and Michael live on the first floor. When I get out of bed in the morning, I'm on the top bunk, I jump down. <laughs> and so you just hear <laughs> So naturally, if they're sleeping, <laughs> There's very little awareness of like my ability to muddle that sound. Um, another thing, I make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches before bed typically. That knife never gets washed. <laughs> I literally put it at an angle so it doesn't get peanut butter in the sink, but just like around the sink hole, and I just kind of leave it there. <laughs> because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll come get it later, and then I never come get it later. Uh, whenever I go on the couch downstairs, I... Um, take my shoes off, I'm not a big shoe guy. Uh, and so I would put my shoes by the, the, the um, 
couch, and then I generally have like a, a seltzer or something, those always get left there. <laughs> I uh, have done my chore on time like all of twice in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> and uh, even better, I have a very little tolerance for people's little things, right? And so uh, Kuba, for instance, my best friend, uh, Kuba has a knack for like um, trying to like leverage situations that are funny, um, but that are like his to leverage. So like he went to lunch with his boss this morning and his boss was like, where do you wanna go? And he picked the nicest restaurant that was most expensive in Columbus, but within that like boundary, it was like $17 for what he wanted. Cause he was like, well, if my boss is gonna ask me to lunch, I'm gonna take advantage of the deal. And I'm like, Kuba. So I start, so I'm just like absolutely intolerable when it comes to like not bringing up those things, right? And so I share those things, right? Because chances are you're hearing those and you're also relating them back to experiences that you've had living with people as well. Otherwise, that whole exercise was pointless. Uh, but is that starting to make practical what is like a little ethereal? Okay, now this is where it gets hard hitting. The word that we've heard from God for our house in particular, but that could apply to households if they're in the same spot, is we trust each other so much that we think that it's more important to show each other God's mercy in dealing with our, um, our weaknesses than it is to show God's justice by correcting each other. So my goal as Kuba and Michael and Chris and Seth's brother is to forbear, we'll get into that word, is to deal with and show mercy with as much as I can because I know that they don't want to leave their shoes downstairs. Like, I should train that. They know I don't want to leave my shoes downstairs. They know I want to put that knife in, back in the drawer and just do the damn dish. Like, they know that I want to do my chore on time and I just like overpack my Saturdays, overpromise, underdeliver. Uh, they know all of these things about me, right? And so what God's been saying is that it's actually more powerful that we show God's mercy by saying like, I actually love that about you. And, and like, I guess like in a, I think that's like a probably more feminine way to, to say like, what guys would say is like, um, like I, I, I'm willingly ready to like put that aside. I actually want to put that aside. I want to make sure that doesn't affect our relationship because um, that's how God sees it, right? Because the truth is that there's 100 denarii that's being owed, right? And there's 10,000 talents that haven't been paid. Um, I think in commentaries, talents would be equivalent to dollars and denarii would be equivalent to cents. It's not quite like that, but it's, it's something similar to that ratio, right? So we, we by leaving the knife in the sink, owe, owe a debt, right? And by you, by them forgiving me, what they're saying is, bro, don't worry about it. And there's something so powerful in that because what is your experience of God going to be? Do you think that there's going to be someone who will forgive you 10,000 talents or like a million dollars when your buddies don't forgive you a buck? Okay. Do you think that there's going to be someone who forgives you a million dollars 
when your buddies don't forgive you a buck. Right? And you can, like, claim the truth, right? Like, God, I know that you forgive me. Right? But we can create environments where we are the ones forgiving each other the dollar. And when you get forgiven the dollar so often, and you're forgiving the dollar so often, it's so much easier to understand God as someone who forgives the whole debt. Right? And so that's the story that I want to get into, is I want us to become the unforgiving servant, right? And ask ourselves, why did we not forgive the guy a hundred bucks? And what I want to posit as a potential answer is that we didn't know we were forgiven. So why didn't we forgive our brother or sister a hundred bucks? It's because we didn't know that we were forgiven the million. Because think about the desperation that you behave with when you owe a million dollars. John and I talked about squid games for a little bit on the car ride down here. It's not recommended. But it's a show where people are so desperate because they owe such a large debt that they will do anything to repay it. And so when we don't understand from God that's the first thing, right? How does it affect our relationship with God? When we can't understand that God has forgiven us, then we can't understand how to forgive each other. We can't understand how to be forgiven by each other. And then that in turn is perceived by the fellow servants, and the servants are like, what? <laughs> Wasn't that the dude who thinks that he's gotten forgiven a million dollars? Isn't that the dude that's been forgiven that whole debt? Why isn't he, like, giving his friend some slack? Right? Okay. So that's what's at stake. That's the, the problem, is that when you don't forgive your brother for those little things, when you don't forgive your sister for those little things, the consequences, you're making it harder for them to understand God's mercy, to understand that God's forgiven them everything. And that's like Romans 8 at its finest, is there's no condemnation in Christ because God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could never do. Because uh, the law of the flesh says, do your damn dish. And the law of the spirit says, I got it. Don't worry about it. And the story I think that best represents this is when I was in New Jersey there was a guy who never folded his laundry. Can you relate? <laughs> uh, and and uh, one of the guys who saw that he hadn't folded his laundry for who knows how many times said, you know what? I just want to freaking throw it out by the street, right? And uh, a lot of times I don't know whether this is like uh, urban myth or whether it's like, because it's gotten passed down from generation to generation. But the story goes that <laughs> instead of throwing it to the street, he like made it and put it on his bedside. And that, that created like an avenue for breakthrough where the guy was in a spot where he was able to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting. He saw how what he was doing hurt the community and he moved forward differently. He went by, back home by a different way. He like started uh, realizing the impact of his behaviors. 
in a different way. Um, so, so we reached a fork, and at the fork, we could have used anger and bitterness, or we could have used uh, like life and peace, peace and joy. And the law of the flesh says, I demand this of you. And the law of the spirit says, I got this. Okay. Um, so that brings us to the principle, right, of forbearance. And uh, I want to caveat what I just said by saying that this applies to uh, things of uh, a moral nature, right? So when things become moral and immoral, you, you don't say like, oh, that's okay, I got it, <laughs> don't worry, right? Um, and that's because it's affecting other people in such a negative way that it, it's um, categorized as like a venial or a mortal sin, right? And so uh, with things that are more matters of decision, right, we forbear matters of preference. You put the fork wrong in the tray, you leave the dish out on the table, you leave the laundry in the laundry basket, you leave your shoes on the container, um, or even just like what I was saying about Wakuba, right? It's just like, uh, how do you say that? Um, it's like the, uh, the things about us that are like really particular to us. It's our um, quirks, yeah, it's our quirks. Okay, and, and so God wants to love our quirks, right? Okay, cool. And then uh, we're gonna kinda like uh, bring it home here with some, some practicals on if it's not okay, if it's not something that you can just forbear, right? And so what did we say? There were two parties, right? There's the uh, chance that you're the person who needs to be forgiven or the chance, chance that you're the person who needs to forgive, right? And I want to propose a four-step uh, formula to get us from point A to point B. Okay. And then we're going to break out and then try it amongst ourselves, and then we're going to come back and we're going to worship. Um, okay. Uh, I need a volunteer, though. Sarah. <laughs> it's too, too close. <laughs> No, you can volunteer for us, though. So. See. Um, you guys are a group, right? Yeah. Do you need any help carrying that? Yeah, I'm in But anyway, um, if I open that door, will the alarm go off? No, no. I think it, it, as long as I don't need a problem. It won't, and unless you hold it open for a long period of time, it won't go off. Okay, good. Because I, I got a thing I'm trying to load in my car. Okay. Do you need any help? Yeah, do you need yeah. Uh, no, it's still on rollers. Cool. But, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I didn't, I didn't know they still had groups here. I, there was a group that used to meet here years ago, and I thought, I thought they'd left. But no, you guys were always there. Have you always been here? Uh, probably the past four years or so. Have you? Okay. You guys, yeah. There's a lot of groups to meet down here. Yeah. Well, this is where they have the aquifer. Uh huh. That's awesome. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Awesome, thank you. Wait, would you say okay. these, these four steps could fit into like a... A, a Punnett square? A Punnett Absolutely. Square. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, 
the four-step formula is first is that I'm going to say, I'm sorry. The second thing I'm going to say is it was wrong. The third thing I'm going to do is ask for forgiveness. And the fourth thing that I'm going to do is promise not to do it again. Okay, so let's say um, I, it's actually so much better. Could I bring John up? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so one summer, Ben and I were together and playing an innocent game of Frisbee. And then I, uh, basically, like, I lost my temper and I, and I pushed and I shoved and I yelled. Right? So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull John aside, probably after the game. Because I yelled, cause I yelled too. When, well, let's assume that that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, let's say, let's say that that didn't. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going to say to John, in a situation where we're apart from everyone else, and not everyone's, like, looking at us, right? Because <laughs> it can be easy to be like, dude, let's do this now. Like, let's forgive each other, right? So, so not all the eyes are on us. Like, everyone's generally disarmed and has cooled down. And, uh, and we're going to have <laughs> the first step, which is, uh, John, I'm really sorry that I yelled and that I pushed you on the Frisbee field this afternoon. It was wrong of me to do that, and that's never acceptable. Will you forgive me? Do I answer now or after four? Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I forgive you. Awesome. Yeah, I, I promise that in the future I, I won't do that again. I'll try my best not to do that again. Yeah. And so I think what, what strikes you, right, is you're like, does anyone else feel like a little bit of like a, is that it? <laughs> is it anyone like, oh, that's kind of anticlimactic. Yes. Right? Okay, because there's definitely um, some processing in any situation that needs to get done, right? And so in that, you can then share uh, what my friend Jaslyn in Columbus calls I statements. Right, <laughs> which is an oversimplified and kiddish way of saying, like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but like, when you're, when you're like chirping across the field, um, it like brings back, uh, like an, an upset part of me that doesn't normally come out or something like that, right? Uh, so you can like process through. But I think it's most important in the beginning just to like get the, get the air cleared. Because the important thing is that um, does your forgiveness depend on your feelings? No. You can actually forgive someone when you don't feel like forgiving them. And I would actually say that the, the Catholic perspective is that by forgiving them, choosing to forgive them, you start to shape how you feel. Yes, sorry. And the, yeah, could you? <laughs> so that's like effective maturity. Okay, so now we're going to break out because I want us to try and like walk away from this talk with those four steps in mind. So uh, 
guys find a, a guy and girls find a girl and uh, just practice those four steps. We're going to try to internalize those, and then I'm just going to summarize with a little more, with like one last point of vision as we, as we close. So let's break out and do that now. Okay. Awesome. So our first step is? Then you're sorry. Our second step is? Okay, our third step? And our fourth? And that's how we can hit Grand Slams on a regular basis, baby. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, let's close it up here. Um, my grandfather always taught me that a genius is not someone who knows everything, but knows how to put everything in context of other things, right? And so uh, what I worry about coming off a talk like this is that we move from this place and we start to like uh, overanalyze this particular thing for three days and then we forget about it, right? That's naturally going to happen with some of us, and that's okay. Um, the, the thing that we're going to shoot for, though, is just that like when we've done something wrong, that we seek that out, and then when it's been done to us, we can actually forgive without having been asked for forgiveness. Or we can forgive, yeah, without someone asking for forgiveness. And so um, that's the point that I want to end with here, is that we have the opportunity uh, to, to forgive everyone who has hurt us, even those who haven't asked to be forgiven. And uh, just to like bring us back, what's at stake in all that is our relationship uh, with God and with our Father and what we understand about God. Uh, and so in the next coming days, feel free to like pull people aside, feel free to practice forbearance. Let's not over-relate to it. But then uh, I just want to actually end with a, a prayer just uh, asking for, uh, like, we can individually in our heart ask for forgiveness now and then um, forgive each other. And we'll pray that uh, the voice of God, the face of God, will become more aware to us through that. Cool. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Um, Give us courage, give us strength, give us trust, give us hope. So you can kind of say in your heart, you can say, um, God, I forgive anyone or name for what they did to me or how they hurt me. You can say, Jesus or Father, I ask 
for forgiveness for the way that I hurt this person. It was wrong. You can say, thank you for forgiving me, God. I promise not to do it again. And then Jesus, in your most holy name, we cast out any shame from this room. Jesus, we cast out any fear of being vulnerable with a brother or a sister. We cast out any anger. We cast out any resentment. We cast out any hopelessness. We cast out any isolation. We cast out the lie that we need control. And God, we give all these things to you. Thank you for working, for coming in power. We worship you in your most holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.